current events, politics, technology, opinion, and theology. We are the Warriors on the Wall podcast. Hello and welcome to Warriors on the Wall. I hope everyone's doing uh, well. This is James, uh, one of your hosts. Uh, We've also got Travis and Sean joining us today. Steve is uh, on date night watching some romantic movie down in Peru. Mm -hmm. How romantic is Fast and Furious? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't aware that he was watching Fast and Furious, but you know. (laughs) Gotcha. So, so this week um, or this uh, episode, we're going to basically talk about a few just things and we're going to try to keep it as casual as possible. Um, we're going to touch on uh, the NFL and, uh, you know, the protests that are happening there. And uh, I'm certain that we're going to have uh, kind of both sides and uh, all around on that debate. Uh, and we're also going to talk uh, about Hugh Hefner and his life and kind of um uh a little bit about that whole situation there and then uh we're gonna also touch on a few other things as well um i think there was a shooting that happened in nashville last week so we're gonna talk about that a little bit um so before we get too far into it i just want to invite you out to take a look at facebook.com forward slash warriors on the wall join us there i'd love to see you guys' thoughts and join us um travis likes to post a lot of crazy reformy stuff and you can go on there and disagree or agree or whatever you want to do honestly i haven't got a whole lot of reply from that um and (laughs) i've been kind of slacking on that page yeah and you've been slacking on the show notes too but i won't i won't kill you (laughs) yeah but hey summer's over i'll have more time on my hands (laughs) i'm just messing with you man i'm slacking on show notes on my other show so um all right, so y'all go ahead and introduce yourselves real quick. We'll dive in, and then we'll go from there. I'm Travis. And this is Sean from Pennsylvania. Sean from Pennsylvania. His first appearance Same. was our last episode, which was a uh, it was a weird episode, um, wouldn't you say? Because I was there. Well, no, I don't know if it was that. But, you know, it was just kind of a weird yeah. night because we couldn't record, and we had to switch over to Skype, and, you know, and it was just a a weird episode. But anyway, we're back. Um, so the first order of business today, we're going to talk about the NFL and the silent protests. So um, we're going to start off with the most uh, non-biased aspect of this uh, with Travis. So Travis, go ahead and throw your thoughts into this mix, and then uh, then we'll the biased ones uh, will argue about it for a little bit. Are you sure that I'm not biased? Well, I don't know. I just I figured I'd throw I mean, you under the bus and be not biased. <laughs> okay, well, in my non-biased opinion, <laughs> this whole thing is a bunch of freaking crap. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that sounds unbiased to me. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I mean, you know, okay, so the NFL is virtue signaling now, and then the yeah. the neocons are over here on the on the right, you know, saying, oh. I'm on protest this here NFL. Who gives a crap? Is it affecting? I mean, 90% of the people I say that said I saw that's going to boycott the NFL doesn't watch the flipping NFL to begin with. You know what I mean? Well, and I am a fan of the NFL. I'm a diehard Carolina Panther fan. And even though we've really sucked it up the last year, um, this year we're doing okay. But this last game that we played was not very good. Um, but the whole protest thing, as far as I know, it's about protesting police brutality and equality and all of that kind of stuff uh, against the black community. And, uh, of course, I'm a white guy, and we've talked a little bit about this in the past, um, And but I've got a slightly different take on it this time around. But I'm going to let Sean kind of dig into his perspective on this before we get to where my head's at on it. 
Yeah, I guess you could say my perspective is kind of um, even. F- I think that there's been a meme going around the internet saying about the the actual rules of the NFL, and um, and those actual rules are the fact that it's saying for the players to stand there uh, along the sideline with their you know hand on the heart, and um, so there's a certain you know the rules say they have to be doing a certain something to be. Uh, I guess if they're going to be a player there, which I agree with. I mean, it's, um, I mean, it's it's obviously a person's right to um, protest to a certain degree. You know, if the NFL will not have those rules, I could say I'd say, um, you know, hey, it's the player's right to not do that or to stay in the locker room or do that. Um, but it's according to the meme, at least, it's uh, that the players are supposed to be doing a certain certain something along the sidelines there and to show their respect for the country. Uh, which I very much agree with. Um, I think that they should be showing uh, some, you know, the the due respect to the country. Um, if they don't want to, if they want to uh, kneel and protest of oppression, um, I think there's other ways of going about it. Um, and I just, it's a little, I find it a little hard for them to be doing it because of the fact that they're getting paid millions of dollars a year to be playing a sport that. Uh, I might play my free time. I don't think they should be doing it. I I really don't. I've been kind of staying away from pro sports now for years anyway. So for me to say I'm not going to be following it is kind of like, okay, one person's not going to be doing it. But I have been seeing a lot of people who are diehard fans of certain teams, and they are literally burning hundreds of dollars worth of paraphernalia. Um, I, I was watching a video, and a guy was um, – city? Maybe San Francisco, but – um, uh, it was Washington Redskins. That's what. It, that's who it was. And he said it was a four hundred fifty dollar jacket, and he burned it. He was like, "I'm done with them." He was like, "I'm I'm done." So it's he had a bunch of other stuff to do that he was burning. Uh, so I know a number of fans out there are die. They were diehard fans, and they are they're done with it. They're just like, "I'm done. I'll find something else to do." So it's just I think there's other ways of going about it. There may be a person out there, but I think there's other ways of of going about it, um, especially too when the people who are who are saying that they're oppressed, and then but then they're walking around with Che Guevara gear. They're talking um, all sorts of communist stuff. I'm just like, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. It's like because Che Guevara and the communists and stuff like that, they were far more oppressive to people than what you know us capitalists are. I mean, it's so I'm just like, you want to protest a nation that's basically been handing you this you know they they may have worked for the job at the same time it's kind of like you know we're you know we're giving you millions of dollars to play this game so i mean i would tell people i would tell fans it's like look if you don't like it just don't watch and maybe things will change here in the next couple weeks very well change on a dime really so it's um i think it's pretty ridiculous i I want to okay so uh in reference to one of your first points uh the nfl players did not start coming out onto the field for the national anthem until two two thousand and nine, okay. when the United States military gave them a crap ton of money. Yeah, I saw that. You know, to help promote patriotism, quote unquote. What was it like uh, five point four million or something? Or it, something? it was an astronomical yeah. number. Yeah, um, money that the government has no business spending in professional sports. Period. Agreed. I mean, throw this out there real quick. That actually was proven not to be true. Um, yes, the government did give a lot of money and all that kind of stuff to the NFL, but the players have been standing at attention with their, uh, with their helmet in their left hand and, and standing at attention to the flag since I was a kid. Like I've been watching the Panthers since 1994, their inaugural season. And, uh, you know, even back then there was still the national anthem. They still stood at the sidelines. They still did this. It wasn't a relatively new thing. Now, I have seen that meme floating around that basically tried to say that it was a new thing um, since 2009, and that was not true. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Okay, yeah, I just read an article that fact-checked me on that one. But, okay, so so that beside the point, I would, you know, another point you brought up, dude was burning Redskins gear. I would burn Redskin, Redskins gear because they suck. I done lost the other point that I was going to make. Um <laughs> Oh yeah, but but it's, okay. So you've seen Jerry Jones out in the uh, the middle of the field kneeling with the other Dallas players, correct? Right. You've seen the picture. All uh, right. Well, Dallas, you know, last year when uh when um big haired Kaepernick, whatever his name is, he, when Kaepernick. he first started doing it, Jerry Jones was said, "Oh, hey, my guys are not going to do this." But for some reason, Jerry Jones kneeled in the middle of the field. You want to know why? Why is that? Rich people hate being told what to do. Hmm. I uh, I was watching this one sports program, and this dude, you know, basically. Broke Broke it down. You don't call an NFL owner's players SOBs as Trump did in my home state of Alabama. 
um, you, you just don't do that. You don't tell a billionaire what he can and can't do or what he should do. You just don't do that. You know, Trump said some pretty bad things. Mm-hmm. But what really tipped, tipped people off, especially, you know, Jerry Jones supported Trump for, you know, he gave a million dollars to his inauguration. He supported Trump through the entire campaign almost. But yet even he said, nah, no, you're not going to tell me what to do with my players. So that's that's the huge virtue signaling going on here is, hey, don't tell me what to do. You know, it's it's not. Yeah, some of it's about freaking whatever Kaepernick was, pro, I guess, black oppression or something like that. But that's not what last week was all about. Last week was about saying, hey, go screw yourself. Well, I agree with you to an extent. And I would say that, yes, they, they are really trying to stand up against uh, kind of being told not to do something uh, or that they should do something. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I got into a conversation on uh, uh, Facebook the other day with a, a good friend of mine, and he basically was contending and saying that Jesus would have knelt with the players that were kneeling. And you know, and my thought was, yeah, he would have knelt with the play- the players that were kneeling, but he would have stood for the military men who needed to have respect of the flag as well. Jesus would have been to every single person on those sidelines, whatever they needed in that particular moment in time. Um, and when it comes right down to it, the way I look at it is, I don't care. I don't care if the NFL is patriotic. I don't really care. The NFL is a sport. It is not a military activity. It is not uh, a patriotic, necessarily a patriotic activity. It is where guys get on fields and they bash each other in until they get more points than the other team. And quite frankly, it has nothing to do with uh, being patriotic. And to turn it into to turn it into a patriotic activity kind of diminishes what they're out there doing anyway. Now, yes, I think it's great that they honor the troops and they honor these men and women uh, who have fought for the the country. But let's get it straight. When it comes down to it, we've got a lot of Christians out there that somehow confuse being patriotic with being faithful. And being patriotic and, and being faithful are not the same thing. When you really put it down to brass tacks, we need to be following after Jesus and seeking his face and seeking his truth and seeking the gospel, the true gospel, and pursuing uh, everything there and not really concerning ourselves with these temporal things like we are. And yet we've got Christians that are judging other Christians saying, well, you didn't vote for Trump. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. So you're not a Christian. I think that's just silly. That's ridiculous. And this is kind of the same thing that's going on on the NFL field as well. I want to echo what James says. Get politics, get your political propaganda off of the sports station. This is the downfall of ESPN right now. I only watch ESPN if I absolutely have to. Because when they start pushing agendas and not football, basketball, Mm -hmm. baseball, sports. I I want to watch sports because I want to escape. Yeah, that 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 political realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a story of probably about two, three years ago. I remember listening to it on the radio that sports have, you know, the, the popularity started to decline as more and more politics get involved. Why do you need to take something as wholesome as football and screw it up? Yeah, you know. ESPN pushing freaking what was that dude's name? Um, Michael Sams. Am I correct on that? The the gay football player. Oh yeah, yeah. Michael. He Sam wouldn't even. Yeah, he wasn't that good of a football player because he made practice team and not the actual team. But they, they, you know, they just kept shoving it down our throat, and he got like a third round draft pick, I think it was second round draft pick. Yeah, and um, but yeah. you know, I, I'm, I, I digress. Yeah, as far as Colin Kaepernick goes, even too that I heard of the number one of the reasons actually that he um, isn't on the 49ers anymore is um, that he really just was not a good quarterback anyway. Uh, so just despite the protests, it's just. He just wasn't that good uh, from what I heard is that he just couldn't make good decisions and stuff like that in the pocket. And so that was actually one of the key reasons I think that he's not on the team anymore. But then I think he also, uh, aside from that, then I think that he, I guess there was no, were negotiations as far as uh, if he was going to be on the team. So I think he even opted out of his um, contract too because of this. So uh, well, there is no businessman in his right mind would take on a Colin Kaepernick who yeah. not only sucks as a quarterback, yeah. He is also very politically inexpedient, if that makes sense. He he brings negative attention to the team, and mm-hmm. ultimately, that is not really what a NFL owner 
needs or wants on their team. They want someone yeah. who, who can, can throw a pass and who can throw a pass, yeah. run the ball, call yeah. plays, and uh, that's can... really all they want. And then, of yeah. course, they want them to be uh, in, engaged and involved in, in you know, in the community and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. if it were politically motivated, they really have no desire to do that. And Colin Kaepernick, yeah. uh, speaking of him. He's mm-hmm. the one you're talking about where he was up, yeah. on, you know, protesting police brutality with the Che Guevara shirt on. I yeah. mean, if anybody and, and I don't understand, you know, and this is just me personally, mm-hmm. I don't understand how people can be upset about police brutality and be celebrating, you know, uh, uh, Cesar Chavez or, yeah. uh, you know, or uh, some other communist dictator basically. or yeah. Mao or any of these people that they are yeah. basically, you know, supporting by wearing their clothing or, you know, supporting the things that they've said or they've written or they've done. These yeah. people are mass murderers. And, yeah. you know, um, and quite frankly, as a Christian, I don't see how you can equivalent both to each other. I don't see how you can. So when it comes down to it, I'm not going to be, you know, supportive of a Colin Kaepernick. I know a yeah. bunch of people who stopped watching the NFL last year. Specifically, um, you know, I know of one man who is a huge uh, Dolphins fan. I have no idea so uh, why he is a big Dolphins fan. But anyway, a huge Dolphins fan um, decided last year because of their uh, because of Colin Kaepernick and the shame uh, poured on the American flag and all that kind of stuff that he wasn't going to support the NFL. Now he was a veteran and he's fought in he fought in Desert Storm and you know he was he was uh, an Army man for many many years. He has a right to do that, right? Yeah. He has a right to do that. And I think the military um, are the ones that are hurt the most by this kind of thing, right? See, in my experience, it's not even like military people that are pissed off about it everyone that i've seen that's you know saying something about it is neoconservatives that want to you know you know force flag worship down everyone's throat the military guys are like well i fought for your right for both of them right and that's the problem it's 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 the 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 christian narrative and the neo-right uh the narrative that we're seeing that you know and they're called christian evangelicals on the right and all this kind of stuff and the alt-right and all that kind of stuff and you've got all these people out there trying to force the worship of the flag down down everybody's throat just like what you're saying and you know hey i respect the united states of america i respect our country I love the fact that I was born and raised in the United States, and we wouldn't be able to have a podcast like this if we weren't in the United States, you know? Um, When it comes right down to it, I mean, I am very appreciative of every man that shed his blood uh, for the United States of America. However, I don't think that placing a flag like that uh, is necessarily holy. And and I don't think standing at attention to that flag is necessarily wise for the most part, because I think it's gotten to the point where we've got so many people that worship that flag and they have somehow uh, taken that flag and they've, uh, you know, linked it to the Bible. They've linked it to the country. They've made the country seem like America is Israel now, uh, that we're the chosen land. And if you don't support, you know, a, a Republican, then you're you're not, you know, a Christian, which is just it baffles me. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely support the flag and for what it stands for. Uh, I mean, if the NFL or any of the sports other sports guys would just say, okay, we're not going to do that, um, you know, standing at attention and doing the whole ceremony stuff at the beginning, I'd be. Uh, I mean, I don't really watch anyway, so I'd be. If it was like, well, if they don't want to do that, then hey, that's their right to do it. And if you, um, I mean, I. I'd support their their right as a private business to do that, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't like. I mean, I don't. When I go into work, I go into work, and I don't. Um, I don't stand there and blabber about my political views and create a disturbance. I'm I'm there to work, and if uh, and that's that's what I'm there to do. And if people if people ask me about what I think, then okay, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll present that in a in a polite fashion and an orderly fashion. But I'm not going to stand there and berate somebody for ten minutes about it. I mean, it's. Uh, because that's not really why I'm there. But you know, the also, if, but you know, if if the sports, if the athletes want to talk about it, maybe in their own time, or if they just want to mention it here and there, it's like okay, that's fine. But people are here to watch sports. They're here to watch, here for you to watch a game, and maybe they don't really care about your political views. Yeah, that's. I'd, I'd probably say the same thing to some of the people out in Hollywood. It'd be like, 
okay, your job is to entertain me, to, to make movies and stuff like that. I don't really care what your political views are. They're free to say that. I don't have to listen, though, so it's – and I just won't. Well, and they um, use their – they use the stage that they have to mm-hmm. try to uh, bring information out to the masses that otherwise yeah. would not get brought out to the masses. The problem is is that you know Hollywood and sports and all of that kind of stuff, they're inundated with uh, basically a humanist kind of way of life, and as a result, that's the kind of things that they – are out there touting and as a result we see a lot of this kind of stuff happen that ultimately causes uh, uh riots in the streets and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. i mean i just can't get over all of the different things that are happening at, as a result of you know the nfl and and yeah. even the burning of flags like we talked about that last year travis right um we right. burning of flags and and how, you know, you've got the right out there, like rioting over people burning flags and saying that it should be illegal. And then you've got the left out there saying, you know, that that the right should be made illegal and blah, blah, blah. And both sides, it's freedom of speech. It's freedom of speech. It's freedom of yeah. speech. But when it comes okay, to okay, go I'll ahead. simplify it. I'll simplify it. Do you own the flag that you are burning? If yes, I don't care what you do. If it's my flag, I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> it's your yeah it's your personal property it's like hey it's and you burn my personal property i'm gonna hit you in the head i mean that's the bottom line but you know if you want to if yeah i mean it's i i wouldn't agree with the burning of the flag thing but i'm like well if it's your personal property i was like you know i don't agree with that but i'm like okay hey, if you want to do that i guess i don't know i can i really stop you uh, okay so so let, let me ask you a question i, I just want to because um i've yeah. got a friend that i used to work with uh about a year ago and uh he he's a he's a person of color. I'll leave it at that. Okay. But uh, man, that just sounded racist as crap. Anyways, yeah. anyways, um. Well, I won't accuse you of being a Nazi or anything. Yeah, yeah. it's all right. Oh, I've been accused of worse. Anyways, <laughs> well, he, he's asking the question, and he's legitimately wanting the question. Now he's just going to like full angry mode because he can't ever get an answer yeah what kind of protest is acceptable obviously we would say ferguson boston what was the last riot we had no not boston baltimore relatively yeah relatively uh um anyways violence violent protest is not the answer there's one recently but but okay then also the same people that are saying that's not the answer is also saying kaepernick kneeling during the national anthem isn't a good protest either what's a good protest how can they protest without you know rustling some you know neoconservative jimmies (laughs) and the whole idea of uh you know and, and and i've gotten uh i've had some issues over this you've had like Antifa out there, and they're you know talking about punching Nazis and all that kind of stuff. The whole thing yeah. with Charlottesville, and you know they're like, hey, it's it's a good thing to punch a Nazi, and but no, it's never okay to punch someone unless they're injuring you or uh, defense, yeah. unless yeah, unless they're like attacking you or whatever. It's it's never okay to just randomly punch someone. Yeah. Um, I don't care if they're a Nazi. I don't care if they're a communist. I don't care. But it's like, I I just don't understand it. When it comes down to it, we don't need to have any type of violent protests, like Travis said. Violent protests are not protected by the Constitution. And to have the police just idly stand by and allow the violent protests to continue, um, that really needs to be addressed. Um, uh, You know, uh, not constitutionally, but legally, legislatively. It needs to be addressed. We need to figure out a way to uh, get Trump to start put uh, stop putting his foot in his mouth, causing a lot of these. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What he's entertaining. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, definitely what Trump said um, in Alabama the other day was definitely not. You know, calling them sons of you know what was definitely not. um, If I would have been there, I would have been like, dude, would you stop it already? Um, Yeah, it's just. It's just really. Out of line. I mean, it's let's get a better vocabulary here, folks. Uh, let's also remember too that peaceful assembly is protected in the Constitution. But yeah, like to agree with you, James, peaceful assembly is protected in the Constitution, but not punching somebody in the head. There's a big difference there. When, that's when assault. A, yeah, yeah, that's assault. I mean, when Obama was elected, I was I thought let's uh, I'm going to peacefully I'm going to peacefully protest. It's called the ballot box. I'm gonna write to my legislators. I'm gonna keep in, you know, keep informed, keep up to date, and stuff like that. I'm gonna. That's how I'm gonna peacefully protest. I prayed for his protection. I prayed that he would not get killed because uh, 
he's the president, but he's also a husband and a father. And I don't want them. I, I did not want those girls and his wife to be uh, without a without a husband and a father because that's not fun. And wishing somebody dead or wishing somebody shot is definitely out of out of line. That's my that's my points. <laughs> that's my thing. I'm sticking to it. So where else were we going to go with this? <laughs> I was waiting for Travis to say something, but uh, are, not, are communists actually people? Though I mean, well, it's an ideology. Well, but are they actually people? I mean, sorry, it, it's it's an inside joke between me and some <laughs> okay unsavory characters. Okay, well, here's the thing. Here's here's the thing. I I don't believe that we should dehumanize anyone. Yes, communists are people. Is their ideology stupid? Yes. Is Nazi ideology stupid? Yes. Um, but when it comes, you know, to politically speaking, uh, the best government is the government that governs least. That's why I'm a libertarian, and I want the government to basically chill out, back down, back off, and stop trying to control every aspect of our lives. Now, I know that that's not going to happen, so I'm, I'm okay with that because it's not going to happen. But moving on to you know another point, I would say that part of the problem in the church nowadays is that we're so focused on trying to control politics and trying to control um, the government and trying to make the government reflect um, us as Christians and even trying to legalize certain things that or make certain sins illegal um, just because we feel like it should be made that way. Um, I, I don't think that's right either. What do y'all think on that? Can you give some examples of what you mean by? So, for example, I don't think, you know, when it comes politically, and we've had mm -hmm. this discussion before, Travis, you know where I'm, where my headspace is on this. When it comes down to it politically, if you're gay, I don't care, right? I, I don't care politically. In my faith, I care that you're um, you're hurting yourself and you're dividing yourself from the Father. Um, but politically, I don't care. If you want to do it, you do it. You do whatever you want to. If you want to get married, I don't care. It's not my business. As long as you don't try and engage me in it and you don't try to shove me into it, I don't care. But Christians out there trying to say, hey – we should make that activity illegal um, to try to prevent homosexuality. Um, I think that's wrong because ultimately it's going to happen anyway. And, you know, what we should be doing instead is just loving people and teaching them the gospel of Christ and pointing them to the cross and not sitting there trying to force them to the cross by legislative means. I agree. I don't believe that the United States government needs to legislate marriage or consensual agreements between two parties um that's none of their concern uh it's not granted in you know their constitution um however it's a vile and disgusting act and it actually was illegal for the better part of this country it was up until you know the what was it the third wave of feminist revolution whatever it is um that it actually became more accepted i don't care what you do don't involve me with it and don't tell me what I can and cannot say because the problem is the reason that we need to push further away from having the government endorse something I guess you could say because essentially that's what they did when they legalized gay marriage is they endorse something mm -hmm. and if we speak out against what they said endorsed it can be considered hate speech and mm -hmm. someone can go to jail for a very very long time because it's bullcrap that's the nicest word I can say but in a perfect society, in a truly libertarian society, you could, on a smaller level, in, you know, smaller government, actually make that act illegal. But I don't see that being feasible in our large federal, you know, federal legislation, legislative system. Yeah, the, the reason that government gets involved with the marriage thing at all is because it conveys benefits uh, to married, married couples. And that's what um, – that's what – Gay couples want to – they want to get. They want they want this benefits. Uh, but, you know, like when um, – was it 2015 when the Supreme Court said that homosexuality – you know, homosexual marriage was okay? Um, yeah, they never really should have even – I mean what they could have said is you as a person are free to do this. It's nowhere in the Constitution. So really they should have just been like, yes, you as a person can do it. We're not going to recognize it at all. Um, you know, we're not going to say yes or no. It's like but you as a human can – engage in that as as a free person well i can yeah, attest you... to the fact that there are no extra benefits to being married uh okay. my my tax bracket is higher mm -hmm. because i'm yeah. married and my wife makes money and as a result my tax bracket's higher yeah. uh, there are no politically 
uh, benefits or political benefits for us being married. So the idea that they want benefits doesn't make any sense to me. Yes, there is an issue with um, hospitals not allowing uh, a, a gay lover into the room if one of them's sick or something like that. Um, but I don't see why that's even a problem. Like if if there was a gay man who was sick and his emergency contact on his emergency contact, you know, check-in list or whatever, was that guy's name? I don't know why they won't let him in. That doesn't make any sense. And that doesn't, you know, that's not conveyed by the government. So does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes, but we're, yeah. we're still only hitting the surface issues right now. Yeah. Right. You know, actually dealing with, the, with the root cause. Right. Well, you know, Sean, you mentioned benefit. Mm -hmm. One would have to ask, why does the government entail certain benefits for married couples? Like my, my wife hasn't worked the past year, I mean, mm -hmm. on paper. So my tax bracket's going to be looking pretty good whenever I, you know, go to file my tax. At the same time, why, why, how, how, how can I, how can I best word this? Why does it matter if I'm married or not? Why is the government no, involved? With, why is the government involved with that at all? It's like, what's other than maybe conveying some kind of benefits in some way, shape, or form, it's like, why is the government even involved? Well, there aren't really any benefits. And well, that's yeah, exactly. so when it comes down to it, I mean, I don't think government needs to be involved in marriage at all. So, you know, who are they to say that I can and can't marry someone? The whole idea behind this came down because of, um, it, you know, marriage wasn't actually a government thing until probably back in the mid to late 1800s. And the reason why is because they wanted to prevent white men from marrying slaves. And so that's how they were controlling that. So they legalized certain forms of marriage and said that they couldn't marry uh, interracially and things like that. And, of course, that just extended to other parts of life as well. So now they had to get licenses and they had to get basically permission from a courthouse to do it. Now, why we can't just get married and then go to the courthouse and register, I don't understand why yeah. we can do that. Yeah, I just googled. I just googled when did government get involved in marriage? And it's nineteen. It looks like nineteen thirteen. It says the federal government formally recognizes marriage and law for the first time with the passage of the Revenue Act of nineteen thirteen. And it was there. all about taxation. Yeah, all taxation. Taxation is, awesome. is theft. Yes, taxation is theft, and that probably will be our episode title. <laughs> just kidding. Well, I don't know. I'll be very random. <laughs> well, that's but, the uh, point, Sean Landis. Yeah. That's the point. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Yeah, that's essentially the root issue, though. Is tax the government wants into your coffers? Yeah, and how you know how do they best get into your coffers? Oh well, yeah. you know you sign up for these little benefits, and you know, hey. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm registered Republican, but I'm le I'd be leaning kind of more like probably Tea Party kind of thing, kind of more libertarian, but. Um, the only reason I'm really Republican is actually because in the state of Pennsylvania, I don't think independents can vote. And, um, I think only Republicans and Democrats can vote in the primary. So that's why I'm registered that way. So if that matters to anybody, which I kind of doubt it does, but just to kind of give an idea, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, I was listening to a, um, a friend of mine was interviewing a former lesbian and she was, you know, she, she came to Christ and she was obviously dealing with this homosexual stuff and she was praying to God about it. And, he and he was kind of like little by little. He's kind of because the homosexuality thing was not the main thing. That was just manifestation of some, of other things that were going on. So he started dealing with God's dealing with started dealing with these other things in her life. And before she knew it, she was like she wasn't even dealing with that same sex attraction anymore. She was like, oh, okay, that's gone. So it's so in that regard, it was just kind of uh, so as far as the whole homosexuality thing there goes. I mean, I'm obviously according to scripture, I'm I'd have a certain I've. I frown upon homosexuality, but I also don't want to um, – I don't want to throw them in a corner. I don't want to beat them up and stuff like that. If anything, I want to help them deal with things, and I want to help them work through it and see what's going on with them. So it's uh, – you know, I've, I've once heard that somebody said that they, they want to put all the gays in, on a boat, put it out to sea, and put a hole in it and see them all drown. I'm like, I do not want that to happen at all. So yeah, well, that's, so that's a great segue to go into our next point. Okay. Uh, next segment and we're going to talk a little bit about um hugh hefner his death um mm -hmm. and his life now those of you who know me and follow me on my facebook and all that kind of stuff know that i love to throw the occasional theological grenade out there mm -hmm. um, i just love to blow stuff up mm -hmm. so when it comes down um to this issue 
Um, I noticed there were a lot of Christians out there basically saying that, uh, well, he's in hell now. And just casually throwing that around as if they really knew. I took issue with that. And part of the reason why I took issue with that is we have no idea. We have no idea what happened in that five seconds between taking his last breath and before he gave up his spirit. We have no idea. And, you know, scripture says that uh, a year to God is like a thousand years to us. So if that's the case, how long is five seconds to us, to God? Does that make sense? Yeah. I I also know that scripture says that trees are known by its fruits. Um, and now he, you, you're very right to a degree that he, in that last couple seconds of his life, he could have uh, recognized that Jesus was Lord and simply asked for forgiveness. And we don't know. Uh, we don't know what his heart's condition is. But I'm also looking at his life and looking what he produced, uh, looking what he supplied to people, and um, I'd say by that that he's – it doesn't seem like he made any kind of attempt to surrender his life to Jesus. So I guess I'd be one of those people saying, well, he's probably in hell if he – unless if he accepted Jesus Christ in the last possible second of his life, which so is a possibility. A question, but Tom. Here's a question. Yeah. So if a tree is known by its fruit, mm-hmm. whose fruit do you bear? Well, I ch- hopefully I bear G- the, the fruit of Jesus. So if Jesus replaced us and took our place on the cross so that we didn't have to bear the responsibility of our of the weight of our sin, and if the man that was hanging on the cross next to Jesus turned to him and said, you know, I don't think you should be up here. I think you're innocent. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Then whose fruit do you think that that thief bore? That's a good question. The fruit that we bear is not the fruit that we bear. The fruit that we bear is the fruit that Jesus bore for us. We're grafted into that branch. We are grafted into that vine. We are grafted and we have the fruit. Of so you so are you saying that people are you saying that we don't have to repent in any more of our sins? I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying metanoia. But when it comes down to it, the thing that I'm saying is we don't know what happened in those last minutes with Hugh Hefner. We don't know what happened in those moments. We choose to judge him based on his life. But if we were judged by that same standard, we would not be worthy of the cross either. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing. None of us are worthy of the cross. That's the beauty of Jesus doing what he did there is because we're not worthy of it. Exactly. Uh, and that's so my, it's, and that's why what I've been arguing the last couple of days, like I've had so many people like get, all been out of shape and upset. Because I say that it is not my business to know what happened to Hugh Hefner. I don't know. As far as I know, Jesus reached out and grabbed a hold of him. And that is what my hope is. You know, that Jesus reached out and grabbed a hold of him. That is my hope. I don't hope for anyone to go to hell. I don't want anyone to go to hell. And I don't believe that that God wants anyone to go to hell. I think God desires all men to come to a knowledge of himself. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And God is ultimately responsible to cause growth to any seed that is planted in our lives. And as far as Hugh Hefner, he was raised a Methodist. Mm -hmm. His family, uh, according to an article that I just recently read, his family believed that sex was holy, but it was evil at the same time. Now, how could both something evil and holy be mixed together? Does that mean when we can torch something? When we take something that God created and contort it into something that it's not. But the thing is, it's like there are sects of Christianity who mm-hmm. teach that we should not be having sex even with our wives or um, the wives with their husbands. We There are sects of Christianity that teaches that uh, sex is only for procreation and only for this or that. And it's very restrictive about it. And that is what he was raised in. He was raised... Uh, and he was raised in a home where his family didn't believe in this so when he got older you know when he got older he rebelled how many of us have rebelled against our parents when we got older because we didn't agree with how they raised us or they taught us or whatever we rebelled against them now maybe not to the same degree that Hugh Hefner did um maybe we didn't start a multi-million dollar empire um that that paraded naked women around um, yeah. quite frankly, that doesn't matter. It's not Hugh Hefner's fault that, that I struggled with pornography. It's not Hugh Hefner's fault that, 
that Travis or or Sean struggled with pornography. It's not his fault. It's mm-hmm. my fault. I'm the one that picked it up. I'm the one that looked at it. Right. Yeah. It's um, yeah, it's his fault in that he he supplied it. Uh, but it's not his fault that we that that we took part in it. That's what okay, I would say. But okay, so you're gonna blame the supplier, but you know, we would argue that gluttony is a sin. Mm-hmm. But little Debbie isn't the one making you sin, right? And I no, I agree with that. I mean, it's not Hugh's. It's not Hugh's Hefner. It's not Hugh Hefner's fault that uh, somebody is partaking in it per se. But it's. I mean, he's he's putting it out there, but it's not. He's not forcing anyone to look at it. Well, and Travis made a good point. Little Debbie makes a bunch of oatmeal cream pies, and there's a lot of people that are obese that eat mm-hmm. a ton of oatmeal cream pies, and right. nobody blames Little Debbie for it. So you know, when it comes, you know. The idea that I'm thinking, and I know I keep saying when it comes down to it, but um, what I'm thinking is that, honestly speaking, if Jesus chose to cause increase to that seed that it was, was in Hugh Hefner's life and chose to take that five seconds, which to us you know, or to God could be many years, that five seconds could have literally been a whole lifetime to Hugh, and he could have been taught the gospel. In that five seconds between the time that he closed his eyes and took his final breath and gave up his spirit, we don't know. But yet we Christians choose to not have faith and think that he deserves what he got. With when If we deserved what we got, then we'd be in hell. And Jesus took our place. There was a powerful video that I shared on Facebook the other day, and I'd encourage you guys to watch it if you can. Um, it had me crying, like crying a sloppy, snotty um, cry, like so bad. Like I, oh man, I had snot all over my face. Um, But it was a video about uh, Barabbas and uh, a video about um, basically Jesus and Barabbas on the, um, on the stage. And Pilate said, you know, um, which one do you want? And they said, give us Barabbas. And Barabbas was a murderer, and he was uh, the leader of a rebellion, and he was all of this bad stuff, right? And and Jesus took his place right there, Mm -hmm. which shows that Jesus not only took his place, but we are Barabbas. We're the same ones that were standing on the stage that was given a release um, because of Jesus. And so we can't say that uh, Hugh Hefner is in hell. We can't say he's in heaven. But my hope is that he is. My hope is that he came to Christ. My hope is that in that five seconds that he found Christ, or that Christ found him, rather, that Christ pursued him like he would that lost sheep, that lost coin, that treasure in the field that he sold everything to get. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, I would say it's, it's kind of counter thing. I mean, it, take my life for example. I mean, I could. I mean, I I try to help people out as much as I can, but they also have to receive that. They all, they have to receive my help. They have to receive my love. And if they don't receive it, it's like, well, I I mean, I'll st- keep trying to give it. But I'm like, if you don't receive it, I'm like, okay, well, I guess you can't. I you know, I guess you're not receiving it then. So it's uh, so maybe it's more of the fact of did Hugh Hefner receive that. But how do you know he did? Well, that and that's what we just don't know. I mean, from the evidence, I don't, I don't, I don't know of any evidence that he did, and I then again, I don't know of any evidence that he didn't. I mean, it's it would seem by the fruits that he's the, the way that he lived his life that he did not. Um, but so the, that's the other thing that I'm going to throw out there too is that for the last few weeks of his life, for the last few months of his life, he was not in the public at all, and no one even knew he was still alive. Um, he had pretty much fallen off the face of the planet and nobody knew where he was. And of course there was a hoax that said he died several weeks ago or a month ago or something like that. And then there was a picture that came out with him holding a newspaper saying he was still alive. Uh, but for the most part, he has not been in the public eye. Um, and you know, his son is the one that's actually running the, the playboy enterprise or whatever. But as far as we know, we don't know what happened in that time. We don't know. Right. So instead of choosing to be condemning and judging, and, and I'm not saying that you are, but there have been a lot of people on my Facebook wall 
that have been arguing this and saying that because he said this 10 years ago that he's in hell, um, no, it could have changed in an instant. It could have changed in a second. All it took was Jesus revealing himself to him. And, you know, for all we know, he did. I mean, he revealed himself to to Paul, and it doesn't tell us how long that's, that, that moment in time happened for Paul. It doesn't tell us that it was five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour. It doesn't tell us. Um, when Paul got knocked off of the, the, the horse uh, on the road to Damascus. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope, I hope to God that Hugh Hefner is in heaven that he, in those last seconds of his life, at least he, uh, if he was still rebelling against God, that he turned from that and repented and he got, you know, he surrendered his life to Jesus. I just don't know. I, so I'm just, I just don't know. Uh, but I'm going to say, I'm saying that from what I know of him, otherwise, um, I'd be surprised if he was in heaven. I'd be really, really surprised, but hey, it, I'd, I'd be happy to, to be uh, corrected in the future if, uh, if we found out something different. So, Because, I, I mean, obviously God did not create hell for us. He created it for Satan. Uh, so it's it's because uh, he doesn't want anyone to go there because it's, it's obviously God's will for everyone to accept eternal life. But then again, you don't, he's not going to force it on us. He's not going to force, he doesn't force that on us. He gives us free will to choose. Well, and I would say that um, I would not be surprised if he was in heaven. In fact, I'm hopeful. Okay. You know, I'm hopeful. I'm so hopeful mm-hmm. that um, I put faith in the fact that Jesus reached him. That's that's okay. that's that's my um, belief. Up? Not necessarily, you know, did it happen? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's not my place to know that. Um, but when it comes down to it, I really think, or I really believe that the God of the universe can convince anyone at any time. And if it took five seconds, you know, to teach him an entire, um, to teach him the entire gospel, then that's all it takes. It doesn't take somebody actually hearing him say that he believed in Jesus, you know? Um, But we've been kind of ruling this conversation. Travis, what are your thoughts on it? You sound so much like a Calvinist right now. (laughs) <laughs> most, most about about seventy percent of your language. <laughs> I mean, I, I I posted on your little comment thread, and this sums up my entire thoughts. Let the dead bury the dead. If he was Christ's sheep, he is saved. Period. In the discussion. If he mm-hmm. was one of Christ's sheep, Christ has atoned for his sins, and he is saved. Yeah, pure and simple. Well, I would uh, I would disagree with the Calvinist uh, language there, but yeah, um, you know, you had a ton of it there. You know, <laughs> it's God's job to bring forth fruit. You know, it's God's job to give. Well, you didn't say give him a new heart, but you 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 were hitting at it now. Well, you know, and and I've actually and and we'll talk about this a little bit. Um, we were going to talk about the Nashville shooting, but we're having a good conversation about this, but. Over the last few weeks, I don't know if you guys have noticed on Facebook, but um, my theology has been shaken and stirred and beaten up and changed and once again shaken up. <laughs> and I'm not on. I'm learning so much stuff, and it's all based around one word. And Travis, you know what that word is because I keep saying it on Facebook and I keep uh, arguing the meaning behind it, and that is metanoia. Do y'all know what metanoia means? I do not. Yes, it's. The root word for uh, metamorphosis it means uh, change, like completely changed. Um, I'm not getting like the full Greek definition, but it, it's it's literally a changing of your mind. Correct. And the thing, the thing, the funny thing is, is metanoia is where we get the word repent from. But the definition of repent means to regret and to basically penalize oneself. All right. But the definition of metanoia and repent are not the same thing, but yet somehow we've interchanged the two. And that is where, you know, this is, this is what's really just racking my brain out. So, you know, when, when, um, Peter basically said, repent and be baptized, he was actually saying metanoia and be baptized. And what he was saying is stop doing what you're doing. Just change your mind, change your path, change your purpose and be baptized. He wasn't saying, you know, regret everything you've done, because if we regretted everything we've done, 
then essentially that is essential. Uh, that is like us trying to earn forgiveness and we can't earn forgiveness yeah. no matter how much we sit there and grovel on the ground and eat rocks on the ground. Mm-hmm. That's not our place to do it. We don't really need to grovel. And, and I've been so free this last two weeks. Like, I'm not kidding you guys. Like this is like, it's blowing me away. So I'll, I'll put it this way and I'll, I'll, and it's kind of hard for me to explain, but when I got a hold of the word metanoia and I started researching it and I started reading scripture with metanoia instead of repent. And I started thinking about like the meaning behind that word. I started telling myself, you know what? Romans six says, I don't have to sin anymore. I'm dead to sin. Right? So anytime I'm tempted by a moment of sin, a moment of anything, I change my mind, I change my purpose, and I turn away from it. And I haven't done anything in weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Weeks. And and I feel freer than I ever have in my entire life. And I'm not scared of it. I'm not fearful of it. I just believe and I'm leaning on his understanding, not my own. And anytime something comes up, I just metanoia and I change my mind and I believe that Jesus Christ was crucified and I was co-crucified with him and I was co-resurrected with him and I am dead to sin and I no longer live to sin. And so therefore I live to Christ and I'm seated together in heavenly places at the right hand of the father in Christ Jesus. And if I'm seated at the right hand of the father um, and Christ is in me, there's no room for sin. There's no room for darkness. There's no room for any of this uh, stuff because God dwells in an unapproachable light and he is not willing to share any space inside of me with that other part, that other stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sounds yes. like you're going through a uh, dynamic uh, oh. sanctification. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like there's something changing here. Oh, man, I'm telling you, it's 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 crazy. And, and I've. And it's just, it's hard to explain, but I'll tell you, I've been, uh, and, and I know how Travis feels about John Crowder. Uh, I, I know you don't particularly like him either, Sean, but, mm-hmm. um, I've been listening to his book, mystical union, and, uh, I'm almost completely through it. And in chapter one, he issued a challenge and he said, um, if you read Romans six every day, every day mm-hmm. or a year, your entire theology will be changed. And that's what I've been doing. I've been, and I haven't been as faithful reading it every day, but I've been concentrating on certain verses from Romans six mm-hmm. and I've been reading it when I can and listening to it when I can. And I'll probably read it before I go to bed tonight, just because I haven't read it today per, uh, per se. Um, but it's true that, um, Romans 6 has basically detailed instructions for who we are in Christ. And that's just what's blowing me away. And it's hard yeah. for me to even explain because I'm so excited about it. Yeah, believers. Yeah, it says here, I just looked it up. And according to the NET, it's the believer's freedom from sin's domination, which is, oh, that's cool. Good. I mean, it, obviously, obviously, whenever you read a, a chapter of the Bible or read any of the Bible every day, I mean, you're going to be changed. So that's, but I'm, uh, man, I'm really happy for you, buddy. I really am. I'm really happy that the uh, Lord is working on you. Well, and for the record, I don't hate John Crowder. It's just the video you sent me, he couldn't exegete for squat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he, he, he's, pro- he's probably got some good stuff. I need to, you know, I probably need to listen to him a little more to, you know, get a vibe for him. But, yeah, he, he butchered Romans 9. I'm sorry. You just think that because you don't agree with his, the way he exegeted it. Well, I mean, I don't think he can he can consistently exegete Romans nine, and do that to the rest of the Bible and get you know, propitiation atonement or crap. Ladies and gentlemen, that was what we call tongue. Substitutionary atonement or the Trinity out of the same way he exegeted Romans nine. I mean, I'm I'm again, I'm just being a little critical here. Other than that, I mean, he said some stuff that I really really liked, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like anybody. I mean, he, there's there's a lot of people out there that it's, I may not like fully, but it's um, they, they might have tidbits here and there. And it's like okay, take what I can get. And uh, I mean, any I mean, if you're if I'm agreeing a hundred percent with anybody other than Jesus, that's going to be probably a little might be a little frightening on that. Might be because I mean, even my pastor's like, you know, there'll be he'll 
say, don't just take my word for it. He's like, look it up yourself. He's like, check it out yourself. So it's, I mean, well, cause- I don't, I don't agree with John Crowder a hundred percent, but I will tell you that he is causing me to think and mm-hmm. to dig deeper than I think anyone ever has. And the thing that he really like, and it really was a challenge for me because mm-hmm. the first chapter of mystical union, which is, um, uh, his second book, but his first book that he acknowledges, like he's got a first book, uh, which is called, um, the new mystics. He doesn't really acknowledge that book anymore. Cause he says that his theological perspective has changed since then. And, um, so mystical union was the first book of his new kind of understanding. And, um, so in his first chapter, he spends a lot of time saying, you know, stuff like, um, Hey, we're dead to sin. So don't sin. Yeah. And, and I'm like, well, how do I do that? You know, like, <laughs> but see, that's the problem. My thought was, how do I do that? I don't do it. I just trust in Jesus. And I, I think, yeah. I think one of the things that concerns me about him is that he was the only time I ever heard about him was his whole token, the ghost thing, which is kind of like, I, I saw a video about that and I was like, that's just really strange. But well, then I got to, but then I also got to think, I was like, okay, if somebody would, if, if a non-believer would come walking into a service I'm in a lot, they'd probably see some stuff that they're like, okay, that's really strange. So it's. Well, and the um, context behind that, just so you know, is he used that as a means to try and get attention. Like he is, he intentionally um, does things to try and um, get people to pay attention to him. Now that was, that was pre um, the new mystics book. So his understanding of the gospel has changed since that point. Like he jokes, says, that he understands the gospel now, whereas then he did not. So um, back then he was uh, pursuing, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of John Scotland. No, I haven't. All right. So John Scotland is actually uh, one of the spe- one of the guys from the Toronto outpouring back in the 90s. So uh-huh. you had both the Brownsville revival and you had the uh-huh. Toronto outpouring, the airport revival. Uh-huh. John Scotland would be up on stage and he would be drunk in the spirit. Like he'd be uh-huh. literally laughing and just, you know, all over the place and, and couldn't stand up in any way. So he was up there and he'd be preaching the word and he would just be, you know, it appear like he was drunk. Now, the reason for this was because, you know, in Acts chapter two, the tongues of fire fell down. They were all speaking Mm -hmm. tongues. People heard them outside, saw them outside, thought they were all drunk. And Peter came out and said, these are not drunk. These guys are not drunk on wine as you per se, but on the new wine of the Holy Spirit. And so he learned under John Scotland, and that's basically where he got that mentality to try to um, almost offend people to pay attention. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So he went yeah. above and beyond to to really to really make his mark, basically. Right. And yeah. you know, and and I think, and I haven't seen the video because that video has long been taken down. Um, right. But according to a friend of mine who was actually going to be on our podcast tonight, but he he wanted to go to sleep because it was late. Okay. Um, but anyway, um, according to my friend, he said he saw that uh, video and he said the actual video was really, really good. But the problem mm-hmm. was, is people couldn't get past that first part. And a lot of these heretic hunter websites um, mm-hmm. have taken a screenshot showing him, you know, uh, yeah. smoking a little baby Jesus or whatever. And yeah. um, they have taken that to to say that, you know, he's he's high and he's a drug user and all this kind of stuff. And as a result, they've discounted his entire ministry because of that out of context picture that was shared. Does that make sense? Yep, totally. Oh, yeah. There's definitely stuff that I've experienced in the past in my own life that I, that I try to explain it to other people, and they're just like, "Dude, what are you talking? Like, what are you smoking right now?" I'm like, "Oh, you know." I try to explain it, and they're just like, "Don't even bother." They're like, you just sound like a heretic. So I'm like, "All right." So it's yeah, it's. I mean, it's dangerous to. It's dangerous whenever we start chasing a manifestation or something. I mean, rather, I'd say just chase Jesus, and things might happen to you. And hey, you know, interesting things will happen. That's all. That's you know, that's one way to put it. So, well, and I'm excited because in January I'm going to go to a mystical school and uh, with with Anthony Golden, um, that friend that I was just talking about. Yeah, and, uh, we're going to go to this mystical school, and on the Warriors Cry, we're going to have an episode every night of the mystical school. Uh, but I just I'm excited about it. I'm scared. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm nervous. And I'm excited. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but I'm just, I'm aching to experience 
uh, a move of God that I've not experienced before. And, um, that's that's just kind of where I'm at, but um, you know, I, I'll say that I, I experienced both Brownsville and I also experienced Toronto, um, and yeah, some crazy things happen in both places. I also see some awesome, awesome fruit from those things. Um, it's really, it's one of my teachers went at, at fire when I went to the school there said, uh, when you get prayed for, he's like, I don't care if you fall down or whatever. He's like, it's what you do when you get back up. So we are at an hour mark, so we're going to go ahead and start wrapping up. Um, I really want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening to this episode of Warriors on the Wall. Uh, it's been fun. It really has been. Um, we've had some great conversations. We started the conversation talking about the NFL, the the whole disrespecting the flag and the protests and all that kind of stuff. And then we talked a little bit about Hugh Hefner, which kind of led into almost like a, theolo- a theological conversation. But anyway, it was a great conversation. Wouldn't you say so, Travis? Oh, yeah. Definitely fun. It wasn't as, um, you know, as focused and oriented as some of our last ones, but I definitely enjoyed it when I could get a word in. <laughs> what are you saying? That I talked a lot? Well, I mean, I was trying to butt in a couple times, but, you know, eh, whatever. I didn't want to interrupt the flow. Hey, man, you could interrupt me anytime. Okay, that was Where's awesome. Where's Sean at? I don't know. He just disappeared, so he's still in our little room, and uh, I'm sure he can hear us, but he can't speak for some reason. Like, his mic just completely died out. So, But we're going to go ahead and finish this episode. I love you guys. I really do. If you like what we do on this, go to uh, patreon.com forward slash the Warriors Cry and support the Warriors Cry ministry with uh, you know, a donation of anything. You can give uh, a one-time gift, a weekly gift, a monthly gift, whatever you want to do. Really love to uh, have some support from you guys as listeners because ultimately um, that will help the podcast, the ministry grow. In addition to that, go to facebook.com forward slash the Warriors Cry to check out the Warriors Cry Facebook page. And uh, conversely, you can go to facebook.com forward slash Warriors on the Wall check out the pod the facebook podcast page for this podcast so uh travis you got any final thoughts um not off the top of my head all right well we're going to go ahead and wrap it up next time we're going to talk about um i don't know what are we going to talk about next time travis purple people eaters purple people eaters love you guys thanks for tuning in we'll talk to you later This is Warriors on the Wall on Warriors Cry Network. Check out our other podcasts on iTunes, Pocket Cast, TuneIn Radio, the web, or wherever else you like to listen.